Please be seated. Okay, who's going to be my timer today? Okay, Morgan, you got it. Okay, when that goes off, that means i got to hurry up and finish because, like Nick said, we're not letting you out early. Uh, we are asking everyone who is able to uh, meet us over at the flagpole where we're going to pray for, pray for the school and the, the staff and the students. I didn't have to go very far to, to see you at the flagpole. I was homeschooled, so... I didn't have to go very far to pray for my school, uh, but this is a great opportunity that we have, especially with, with everything that's going on. You know, um, at the height of this pandemic, uh, there were 5,000 people dying daily. Uh, there were crazy food shortages all over. There was social distancing taken to extremes. In fact, one author wrote this. He said, they deserted those who began to be sick and fled from their dearest friends. They shunned any participation or fellowship with death. Another author put it this way. He said, there lay about over the whole city, no longer bodies, but the carcasses of many. Is there more to that one? I can't remember. Okay, no, that, we just go to the next one. Okay, so bodies and, and carcasses all over the city. Now, of course, um, what I am talking about is the Cyprian Plague. I'm talking about the, the Cyprian Plague, the pandemic that was over the Roman Empire in, from 249 to 262 AD. That's the pandemic that, that we were just talking about, where, where authors were writing these things about what was happening there. And, and in the middle of this plague that, that basically ruined the Roman Empire, I mean, it put a big hit on them. Everyone was afraid. Everyone was abandoning their friends. Everyone was, was abandoning their cities. Everybody was just in, in total and complete fear at all of these things that were happening. Everyone, except for the Christians. See, Dionysius, the bishop of Alexandria, wrote this. He said, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Now, if you go and you research this, this pandemic, you will find that the pandemic that the, the, the civilized world, so to speak, faced in the third century was far deadlier than what we face today. I'm not being political, I'm just, just stating the statistics. It was far deadlier. The same is true with the Black Death that happened in the 14th century, with, with the cholera pandemic in, in England in the 19th century, and with, with a lot of other pandemics and a lot of other things that Christians have faced along with the rest of the world. These things have been far deadlier than some of what we have seen today. But here is the thing, Christians, have always lived differently. Christians have always lived differently in those times. They prayed, they worshiped, they cared for the sick, and some even died for it. And they did all of this joyfully, and they did it without fear. And that's the key right there. They did it without fear. Now, how do we, how do we do that in the middle of our own pandemic? How did they do it? in the middle of their pandemics, all throughout the ages. How did they do it? 
they, they held on to this truth claim that Jesus makes. They, they held on to this, this truth claim. And Jesus here, what we're going to look at, he is making a truth claim. He's not, he's not asking if this resonates with you. He, he's not asking if this benefits you or, or doesn't. He's not asking if this is your truth. Jesus is making a claim about the truth. And he is making a promise. And he is telling that this is a truth that will come to pass. And this is that promise. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We're going to look at that promise today in Revelation chapter 21. This is, uh, this is a time in the book of Revelation as we've been moving through. We've seen some of Revelation looks back. Some of Revelation looks at now throughout the time. And then there are portions of Revelation that look forward to the future. And that's what we're going to look at today. It, we're looking at the end of the hardest chapter in all of human history. The, the end of that chapter, and we're looking at the beginning of the best chapter in human history, a, a beginning that goes on forever. And so we're going to be looking at ch uh, Revelation chapter 21, at this promise of a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to look at four aspects of the life to come. We're going to look at four aspects of the life to come. And now this is really important. These two things are really important. Number one, we can't cover everything as we're looking at this. And number two, and this one's really important. Please don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, run around and be unsafe and be unwise, okay? So please don't hear what I'm not saying. Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Uh, but before we read this, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would uh, work in our hearts by and with your word and by your spirit. Lord, teach us more about who you are and let the truth of who you are change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. And John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is God's word. Okay, so we're looking at these four things about the life to come. Let's start with, with where, we, where we just ended, okay? That, that, that tends to be the elephant in the room when you're talking about the life to come, okay? But here is, here is what we need to notice about verse 8. In the life to come, God removes sin. 
and all of its effects. God removes sin and all of its effects. And so if you're looking at, at verse 8, and verse 8 kind of scares you a little bit, I look at that and say, well, golly, I, I've been a coward. I've been faithless. I've done plenty of things. Um, I've murdered in my heart. I, I, I mean, you know, we look at verse 8 and that might scare you. You need to, to know that this is talking about identity. What is your identity, right? There, there are people who act cowardly who are not cowards. There are people who have been uh, unfaithful. Their identity is not faithless. We are unfaithful to the Lord every day, right? But there are some whose identity, whose sin has become their identity. There are some who are murderers. There, there are, are some who are liars. Right? That is their identity. And what this is pointing forward to is a day where your identity is sealed. There comes a point in time where your identity is no longer going to change. And so whatever your identity is in, that's what you get to keep. So if your identity is in being a coward and, and faithless and being a liar, or, or even if your identity is in good things, um, but it's not in Christ, guess what? You get to keep that identity forever. And when God removes sin, you get to go with him. That's what's happening there. But if your identity is in Christ, you get to keep that one forever. And you get to remain in the place where sin is no more, where sin is gone. And, and now this is really where we want to be. We, we shouldn't have to say that, but this is really where we want to be. Because where there is no more sin and there are no more effects of sin... God describes it this way in his word. He says it's a place of no tears, no sickness, no goodbyes, no selfishness that leads to theft and war and locked doors. In verse 25, they don't even close the gates because they don't need to. They don't need to because there's no more sin there. And so just, just think just for a few seconds about the things that cause you so much pain. Think about the, the, the effects of sin, whether it's sin or the effects of sin that cause you pain. And now try and imagine a world where that's gone. It's not going to cause you that pain anymore because sin and the effects of sin have been removed in the life to come. The next thing about the life to come, uh, we see this in verse 5. Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. In the life to come, Jesus perfects what is good. There are a lot of good things on this world today, and, and uh, there are a lot of good things we think about, like um, plastics, right? Plastic is, is good. They use it in, in medicine for different uh, procedures. We use it to transport food and, and to, to help food last. We use it in tools, right? Plastic is a good thing. But do you think that either, either the thing itself or our use of it needs to be perfected? How many of you have ever heard of the oceanic garbage patches? Have you ever seen those? Yeah. Yeah. This one's about the size of France. All this plastic just out there floating in the ocean. Do you think that, that our use of plastic, our understanding of this, this tool, do you think that needs to be perfected? I think so. What about our bodies, our physical bodies? Scripture teaches that, that we are embodied creatures, that, that having a body is a good thing, but that's been frustrated by the effects of sin. And so our bodies need to be perfected. And everyone over 30 said, amen. Right? How'd you hurt your knee? Well, I, I bent down. You know? <laughs> our bodies need to be perfected. Um, what about work? What about work? 
right? God gave Adam a job before the fall. Work is a good thing. Having jobs is a good thing. Being productive is good. But you know, there are some jobs that are going to be gone in the life to come. I can tell you what one of them is. Pastors, you won't need me. You, if you come and ask me, hey, could you tell me about this? I'm going to say, go ask Jesus. He's right here. Go find Moses. He wrote it down. Ask him what he meant. I don't know. I'm, I'm doing the best I can here, right? You won't need pastors. Can you think of any other jobs that we won't need in the life to come? Social workers. Yeah. Well, I heard something back there. Medical. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I bet doctors really want to be out of a job, right? Police, military. There, there are lots of people that really want to be out of a job. And so in the life to come, work will be perfected. We will be perfected. And so there are some jobs that will go away. And there are some that will still be there. And so you can find a new job. But every job, everything that we do, any work that is involved in the life to come will have fulfillment and purpose and joy. You won't go to, you won't go to bed dreading the next day. Your, your work will have fulfillment and purpose and joy. And part of this, Jesus making uh, good things perfect. You know, this is happening here on earth, right? Scrip scripture never talks about abandoning earth. These things happen here. We're not, we're not on clouds with harps. I mean, maybe, maybe you can be, I don't know. But, but it's not that, you know, the far side thing of sitting on a cloud with a harp and, and your little baby angel wings, right? This happens here on earth, but it is a new earth. It's better. Everything good is more so. Everything that causes joy is more joy. It has been perfected. The third thing in the life to come. Look at, look at verse, uh, verses 24 through 26. It says, by its light will the nations walk, talking about the glory of God. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. That's what we talked about earlier. There will be no night there. And then listen to this. They will bring into it, the nations will bring into it, the glory and the honor of the nations. So, so here is this, this image of people bringing glory and honor into God, glory and honor of the nations, and God is here receiving the glory and the honor of the nations. Now, what does that mean? I like the way uh, Anthony Hukuma puts it. He says, one could also say that whatever people have done on this earth which glorified God will be remembered in the life to come. The unique contributions of each nation to the life of the present earth will enrich the life of the new earth. We will inherit the best products of culture and art which this earth has produced. Now, if you think about that, and, and you think about uh, the things we do here that glorify God being remembered and the best products of, of culture and, and art and all of these things being brought forward to enrich the new heaven and the new earth, what that means is that what you do now matters. We're not just biding our time, just, 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 just wait and, and watch TV until Jesus comes back, right? We are actually called to live for this purpose now. One, to make wherever you are look more like heaven, and two, to have glory and honor and things that you can present to God, to live for that moment when we can throw it before his feet and say, God, I did this for you. Jesus, this is to bring glory to you. Take, take honor in, in what I have done. This is a gift to you, God. 
because I've lived for you. We can live for heaven now. We can live for that moment now. And so there are musicians who are writing music that, that we'll get to enjoy forever. There are builders who are creating structures of beauty and safety. There, there are, are uh, people who are, are making a home out of space. There are parents who are raising children in the ways of grace. There, there are janitors who are cleaning halls and, and bathrooms, making them healthy and pleasant. And they're going to present the, the result of that work to the Lord. There are cooks who are going to present meals that sustain and delight. Right? The things that we do matter now when we live to glorify God. When we, when we live to bring glory and honor to him, not to earn anything, not to, but because he is so good and because we love him and because he is worth it. The things that we do matter now. And so the question for us is this. What glories will you present to God on that day? What glories will you present to God on that day? Well, the best part about the life to come and the reason for all of the rest it is this, that in the life to come, God lives with us again. God lives with us again. Look in verse 3. It says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And then later on it describes what it's like when the glory of God is shining on everything. And it's, it, and it's so incredible that you don't even need the sun and the moon and we get to live with God again. Our sins removed, the penalty's been paid, the veil is lifted, and now we can walk with him, we can hear his voice, we can be with him. And if we're honest, some of us sitting here are thinking being with the same person for eternity sounds boring. Right? I love my family, but I don't want to sit there all day every day with them. Right? That's that, but let's just be honest. Okay, but the reason for that, the reason for that is because we're not strong enough to handle monotony. We, we do get bored with things. God does not get bored with doing the same thing over and over again. He never does. He never does. And when we're in his presence and we're perfected, we won't either. We'll, we'll have all these other things, adventure and work and, and relationships and friends and all this stuff. We'll have all of that. But even if all we did was spend our time with God... It's enough. It's enough. And if you want to see what that's like to have so much joy in that moment, um, just think about golden retrievers. Ha have any of you ever had golden retrievers? How many of you? Yeah. Yeah. Those things, man, they just want to be with you all the time. Uh, hey, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Can, can I just be in the same room? Hey, can you just wiggle your toe? Like, just pat me with your toe, man. That's enough. And then you look at them and you say, you know what? You're a good boy. And it just like puts them over the moon. It's incredible because you looked at them and then, you, and then you talked to them, right? That's what it's like to feel joy in someone's presence all the time. And, and so we get to feel that kind of joy in God's presence all the time. And then he looks at us and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And what do you think that's going to do to your heart when you hear those words? So here's the thing. If the best is yet to come because of these four things and there's more but if the best is yet to come if the best is yet to come then why are we so afraid why am i so afraid right? i'm not just talking about pandemic stuff 
I'm talking about, about all of it. Why, why am I so afraid for my wife, for my, my kids, for, my, uh, for the rest of my family, for, for you guys? Why, why am I so afraid of all the things that could happen? Maybe it's just the fear of the pain of it. But we know there, there is pain in this life. And, and you know what? A runner runs through the pain because they want to win the prize. A mother works through the pain because she wants to hold her child and scripture says us that, that Jesus endured the pain before him. He endured the pain of the cross for the joy that was on the other side. And for us, for us, yeah, there's going to be pain. But look at the promise that's at the end. Look, look at the promise that we have that the best is yet to come. Jesus claims that this is objectively true. That's my timer. I've got two minutes left. Okay. Jesus makes an objective truth claim here. He says in verse 5, write this down. Why? Because he knows we're going to look at this and say, oh, Lord, this is too good to be true. Write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So why are we so afraid? Let this world see a church that is without fear. Let this world see a people who are without fear. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but, but think about the fear. Let this, let this world see a people who can live without fear. Why? Because the best is yet to come. We know that there is a day coming. There is a day coming. God will remove sin. He will perfect what is good. We will present him with the glories and the honor of nations, and we will be with him and we will hear him say it's done and good good job well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master in a place where there are no more tears no more sorrow no more pain only joy and life forever so christians these words are trustworthy and they are true the best Jesus, we know that the best is yet to come, and yet it is so easy for our fragile hearts to be afraid. Lord, work the reality of heaven, work the reality of the life to come so deep into our hearts, Lord, that we do what we do with heaven in mind. Lord, let us live for heaven today, each and every one of us, longing for the day we hear you say, it is done. Enter in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.